0: Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Well, I like to be comfortable. Anybody else here would say that you I like to be comfortable, right? I I, I like, uh, you know, to have a, a nice house. To live in. I like coming to church when it's air-conditioned. That's comfortable, isn't it? I, I like um, having a car that will go faster than I need to go. I, I enjoy that. That's comfortable to me. Um, I, I, I like having a paycheck that comes in every week. Um, I like having a nice TV that I can watch the Patriots play on. Right? You know. Uh, I like, I could go on down the list. I I like being comfortable. Uh, But I have to say that I think my desire to be comfortable works against me when it comes to following Christ faithfully. I think the reality is uh, that most of us being comfortable gets in the way of following the Christ the, the way he, he wants us to. I mean, when you think about your life and following the Lord, I mean, just this whole idea of comfort. Let's well, think about this. Because really, we, we don't like to make changes unless those changes are going to what? Make us more comfortable. If, you know, and that we have to be pretty confident. We can look at this change, and we understand how it's going to work, and we, it's not costing more than we want to pay, and all this. And then we'll go for it. But man, in our lives, we tend to avoid like the plague things that are going to disrupt our lives, living in the lives the way we want to live them, the things that are comfortable to us, and we avoid those things and do our best not to experience those things. But I would suggest to you that that works against us when it comes to following Christ in our lives. Let me ask you a question. And you just answer it for yourself. What is there in your life right now that that you have, have come to a conclusion about you know what God wants you to do. Uh, you've either got this from reading his word and it's just oh wow, I really need to do something about this or, or he's put something in your heart and, and, and man, I gotta go do this. W- what is there in your life like that that is driving you more than being comfortable? What are you doing and how are you living so that you find yourself in a place that is uncomfortable because it feels risky and you, you don't know what's gonna happen and the reality is is if God doesn't do something, you're gonna be in a world of hurt. Now, is that a comfortable place to live? Now, I'm asking, do you think, is that a comfortable place to live? I mean, I think it can be a good place to live, the right place to live, an exciting place to live, but it is not a comfortable place to live. And yet, I think that's what God calls us, to follow him and put that above comfort. Comfort isn't the issue anymore. If you can be comfortable, great, enjoy it, right? But something else is more important to me. Following Christ, wherever he leads, whatever it costs, however difficult, whatever I have to sacrifice, that's what God has called us to as followers of Christ. Forsaking all, following him. And so if we aren't careful, we can get really settled in and comfortable and not even be open to the fact of of what God has for us to do. And so we need to begin to consciously think about our lives and say, okay, wait a minute. Now, God, what are you wanting me to do? You know, and it may be some big thing. It may not. It may be a series of small things, but God, what do you want me to do? And I will do that. And um, if you do that, your life will get uncomfortable. It will get uncomfortable. And, and we're going to see that today in a story, a true story uh, from the Bible. Happened about 3,400 years ago. And um, last week, Pastor Dave uh, you know, preached to us from the life of Joseph. Well, I'm gonna just start here for just a little bit and go back to Joseph's great-grandfather, Abraham, okay? And when Abraham, you know, God called him and and he began to follow, just take small steps, just going and and going to the next place that God had for him. And at some point in this process, uh, the Lord spoke to him and talked to him. And the scripture says this about Abraham. The Genesis 15, verse six, and he believed in the Lord And he, the Lord, accounted it to him for righteousness. And this is the beginning of our understanding that we are saved by faith, by believing God, not by anything we can do. That's the whole gospel, isn't it? I mean, the idea that, that every one of us has sinned against the Holy God and our sins have separated us from God and, and that we are dead spiritually because of it and, and we need that fixed. And, and so God has provided a solution. He sent His Son into the world to, to live this perfect and sinless life and, and as He dies on the cross, taking the penalty for my sins and for your sins and the sins of the whole world dying there, rising again from the dead, showing that, that God had indeed set, uh, accepted His payment And then it comes to each of you and I and we have to make a decision. Do I believe that? Have I put my faith in that? And and so God brought Abraham to this place where he did that. He placed his faith in the Lord and the Lord said, you are now a righteous person. And see, that's how it works. We believe God declares us righteous in right standing with him. All sins forgiven, receiving eternal life, going to heaven when this life is over. God himself in our lives working to help us change and live the kind of life that he wants us to. Well, just a few verses later, after God, uh, uh, the scripture tells us about Abraham, the, the Lord uh, had made promises to Abraham about his descendants and what God was going to do in the world through them. And then he gave them, him, Abraham some specific insight into something that was going to happen. All right. Genesis 15, verse 13 says, Then the Lord said to Abram, You can be sure that your descendants will be strangers or foreigners in a foreign land where they will be oppressed as slaves for 400 years. Now, this happened to his descendants. Okay. Because where did we leave off the sermon last week? We left off the sermon with uh, Joseph and God's people in Egypt. Well, Turn of events, things changed and got really uncomfortable. They found themselves enslaved in Egypt, and they are there for this 400 year period. Now, the next verse it says, God says, But I will punish the nation that enslaves them. In the end, they will come away with great wealth. All right, so I'm going to bring them out. And so this is the story that we wanna look at today. Not the whole thing, but we're gonna focus in on one part of this story. Uh, I think the biggest and most powerful part of this story. So let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Exodus. If you don't have a Bible with you today, uh, there are Bibles under the chairs there and I'll give you page numbers as we go. We're gonna be on page number 75. I encourage you to take one of those Bibles and follow along with us. So what has happened is, here we are 400 years later, Egypt, I mean, Israel, God's people are in slavery. Uh, It is a really hard place, a hard time for them. And they begin to cry out to the Lord. Finally, they remember the Lord and cry out to Him and God works, God raises up Moses, whole supernatural story there. Uh, But Moses goes and challenges Pharaoh to let God's people go. If if, if you know the stories, you you know. If you don't, I'm sorry we don't have time to go over today. But God worked miracle after miracle after miracle. Demonstrating to Pharaoh that he needed to let God's people go. And so finally, Pharaoh decides to let them go. In fact, he wants them to go at this point. So let's pick up in verse number 17. It so then it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go that God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest perhaps the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. And the children of Israel went up in orderly ranks out of the land of Egypt. And by the way, about two and a half million Uh, Israelites at this point in time leaving the land. Let's look at a map here. I want to show you something. Um, Okay, so this is the map of the Middle East area here. Uh, The green part up there, this is all Egypt and the Nile River Valley. Up above there around the corner is Israel. Over here is Jordan and Iraq, Syria and Lebanon up north. And you see there down here the Red Sea. And this is what I wanted you to see, Uh, the Red Sea. The Red Sea goes up into the Gulf of Suez and into the Gulf of Aqaba. But the Gulf of Suez and Gulf of Aqaba are really extensions of the Red Sea, okay? Because that's important. We just got through talking about the Red Sea. He's talking about this area. Let's go to the next map. All right. So see Goshen up there, that is where they had been living, all right? And then they're, they're leaving. And if they had gone... Straight up along the coastline, up toward what we now call Israel, they would have run into these people called the Philistines, who end up, we read about them later in our Bibles. Uh, These were Greek people who had sailed and settled in this area. Uh, They were very much a warrior kind of people. And so God says, if if I send them up that way, the very first thing that's going to happen is they're going to experience war. And they may just say what? War is Uncomfortable. Right. And let's just go back to where we were. So he doesn't send them there. It says he sends them down along the wilderness, along the Red Sea. And so they they go down what looks like a basically a coastal kind of a highway where they could move down. All right. And so that's what they have done. Right. So let's continue reading here. And Moses took the, whole, uh, the bones of Joseph with him, for he had placed the children of Israel under solemn oath, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here with you. So they took their journey from Sukkoth and camped in Etham at the edge of the wilderness. Uh, let's, yeah, I think we can see it here. So if they came from Goshen and they came down. You see Sukkoth there, about right in the middle there on, along that? And then they came all the way down here to the bottom of that peninsula and turned north. And I don't think you really see it there, but it's Etham is the area there, just around the corner where it says near the Straits of Tehran there. All right. And by the way, I'm showing all this because it's important to the story. All right. It's going to help us understand what is actually happening. It says, And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so as to go by day and night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night from before the people. And this is a miraculous thing. It's just stated so matter of fact here. But God gives them a visible manifestation of his present. He is present with his people, but he shows himself in, in a way that they could see and experience. And during the day, it was like this huge, massive cloud, a pillar that would go before them as, you know, and they would, it would pick up and go and they would follow. And, and at night... It was fiery so they could see where they were supposed to be going. And he was there 24-7 showing his presence with them. Pretty amazing thing, huh? By the way, how important is God's presence in our lives? Man, it's extremely important. And they had a visible representation of it. We have something better. And Sometimes we think we'd like the physical rep- representation, but what we have is him indwelling us. He lives inside of us. He is present with us. All right, so, so let's continue uh, down the story here. Verse number one. Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel that they turn and camp between Pi Hechiroth, between Migdal and the sea, opposite Baal Zephon. You shall camp before it by the sea. So let's go to the next map there, if you would. All right, so this is that. Peninsula part that we were looking at, okay? So they came down here. This is the Exodus route. They came down and they turned the corner here, okay? See, it says Baha'i, Pai Hai there, and they came and went up north. And you see, up Etham up north. And so, but God tells them to camp in this area. Now, it, you can't read it very well because of the color, but right there in the middle it says Migdal. And the word Migdal means watchtower. And most likely, see this was still an area that was technically controlled by Egypt. And so Egypt had a watchtower there. It was an important place for them. And so they could see what Israel was doing. Okay, coming and camping there. He said, across from Migdal on the other side, Baal Zephon up there, that island. Okay, so they're, part, they're camping in between there. This is what the Lord has told them to do. Now, how much faith have the Israelites had to use at this point? How much faith? Well, I want to say, I don't think they had used very much because they were in slavery and God said, okay, we're leaving. You want to leave? Oh, Okay. How much faith did that take? Seriously? Not much. Just go. Everybody else is going. Let's go. And so they, they went and they, they're following the Lord's direction. Go this direction. Camp here. That isn't very much faith. Okay. And I think we're going to see later on that they weren't real Big on faith yet. Okay? All right. So let's read on, verse 3. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, they are bewildered by the land. The wilderness has closed them in. All right, now this is going to be important in the story. What I want you to see is so we talked about they came down here, they turned north, and as they get up north toward Etham, what happens? The mountains come down there to the sea, and it blocks. There's no more of this coastal place to move it is, is mountains and wilderness and and so God told them to go up there and then to come back down a little ways and what it's going to make when Pharaoh gets word from the watchtower there in Migdal that uh, they are stuck they've gone all this way and now they've reached a point where they can't go any farther and they're stuck and what's Pharaoh going to start to think Opportunity is what Pharaoh is going to start to think. Let's read verse 4. Then I will harden Pharaoh's heart so that he will pursue them. And I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. So what I want you to see here is God is at work in their movements, isn't he? He said, go here, go this direction, turn here, go up, camp here, come back down. camp." God is at work. To them, it's kind of like, what do you mean? We were here a week ago, and now you brought us back here, and we don't know where we can go now. So the people weren't seeing it, but God was at work. God works in our lives in ways we do not see and understand. And so when we are following the Lord, when we're, we're doing our best to live by his word, the best we know how, and maybe following the promptings that he gives us, and we can't necessarily see what's, what's going on here. What's God doing? He is at work. He is at work when we walk in his ways. Verse 5. Now it was told the king of Egypt that the people had fled, and the heart of Pharaoh and his servants was turned against the people. And they said, Why have we done this, that we have let Israel go from serving us? So he made ready his chariot and took his people with him. Also, he took 600 choice chariots. And all the chariots of Egypt with captains over every one of them. And by the way, chariots were a big deal. If you were standing on the ground with a stick in a war and someone had a chariot, guess what? You're going to get run over. Okay? This is a big deal. Verse 8, and the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And, and let me just say, I, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this. When the Bible tells us that Pharaoh hardened, uh, God hardens Pharaoh's heart, All God does is push Pharaoh's buttons. He doesn't make him do anything against his will. All he does is he stirs up Pharaoh. And then Pharaoh does what's in his heart, okay? Uh, Verse 9. So the Egyptians pursued them, all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his army, and overtook them, camping by the sea beside Pi Pihiroth before Baal-Zephon. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. So here they are camping on this side of that peninsula, but, you know, who, they probably had people out front and back to kind of keep track of, you know, what was going on around them. And they look up this coastline, and what do they see? The armies of Pharaoh coming. Now... Do you think they were all calm? Oh, did you hear? Pharaoh's armies are coming. (laughs) No, don't you know this word spread like wildfire and there's this great upheaval and this this tension. Um, Actually, let's go to the next map, okay? So this is even closer, what you see here, that they were up here and they were camping now here where, it's gonna say crossing, but they were camping there and there's no place for them to go and Pharaoh's army is closing in. In fact, Philo, a historian, uh, describes that they were enclosed like a shoal of fish, you know, ready to be netted and, and, and taken out. Um, so here they are, and now they are scared. And we're actually gonna read just a little bit that they think maybe this was a bad idea. This isn't so comfortable anymore. This is downright scary. What are we going to do? And it brought upheaval into their lives. It did. Have you ever had one of those things where you receive news that all of a sudden now your life is in upheaval? I mean, for me, it's like this. You know, I'm, I'm a pretty, for the most part, calm guy, but there's been a few occasions in life where all of a sudden I got news and I go from this to this. <sighs> My life's in upheaval. Okay, anybody else, you experienced that? You ever experienced that? Well, what I want you to see is, um, and back up, do the Israelites know that God's working here? I don't think so. We, we know some behind the scenes stuff because of what the scripture tells us. They didn't know that. All they know is they made a decision to go ahead and leave Egypt, which seemed like a really good idea at the time, and they left, and now here they are, and now they think we are in worse trouble than we've ever been in before. And I'm going to jump to that scripture um, in psalms there, if you'd go to that. Psalm 50 says this, "Our God approaches and he is not silent. Fire devours everything in his way, and a great storm rages around him." All right. So uh, the the old King James said it's very tempestuous around him and before him. So when God is at work, don't think that means that everything is always peaceful and quiet and calm. Because it may very well be that there's a big storm around what God is doing. And and so when you decide I'm going to follow the Lord And you take the steps to do this, not huge steps of faith, but you say, I do need to do this, and you begin to do it, and you go. And then at some point, all of a sudden, this huge storm breaks out in your life, and everything is in upheaval, and you can't, what in the world's going on? Maybe I made a bad choice. But the question is this, what did you do what God said to do? Well, yeah, I did. Okay, well, then this storm is evidence that God is at work. Because wherever he goes in doing his big work, what? A storm, a great storm, rages around him. And he is doing something and going to accomplish great things. All right, so um, let's continue. Verse number 11. Then they said to Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Is not this the word that we told you in Egypt, saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. Great faith, huh? Well, be encouraged here, because we're gonna see God do a great work in their lives, even though they don't have great faith yet. Does that encourage you? That God might work in our lives even when our faith is small? All right. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. Now that sounds like, man, Moses is preaching. No, 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 God's gonna do something. God's gonna deliver you. He's gonna deliver you from the Egyptians. He's gonna (coughs) deal with the Egyptians. they will never be a problem to you again. But I want you to know that I think Moses was saying this to the people. He was saying, listen, go, no, God's gonna do something. God, what are you gonna do? <laughs> and the reason I say that is because the next verse, uh, it, uh, verse, uh, verse thir- or 15, and the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? See, Moses, he doesn't know what's going on either, but he, at least he knows God's doing something. God is gonna work the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. Oh man, in our lives, when we make these decisions to follow the Lord, like I said, it might be a small thing, a small change, might be a big thing, but we make those decisions to follow the Lord and we're doing it and, and we're going along and all of a sudden this huge storm breaks out in our lives and problems and we're overwhelmed and our natural tendency is to be, want to do what? Go back. This isn't working out so good. I want to change. I'm going to go back. And what's God saying? Tell him to what? Go forward. Go forward. Don't turn around. You're doing what I told you to do. Go forward. Don't stop. Keep going. Go forward. Well, we got a small problem here, Lord. Let's go to that next map. We have a small problem here, and it's called the Red Sea. The mountains and the Red Sea. Where are we going to go? How are we going to do this? Verse verse 16, but lift up your rod, he's still talking to Moses, and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And I indeed will harden the hearts of the Egyptians and they shall follow them. So I will gain honor over Pharaoh and all his army, his chariots and his horsemen. Then the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gained honor for myself over Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. And the angel of God who went before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud went from before them and stood behind them. so it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. Thus it was a cloud and darkness to the one. And it gave light by night to the other so that the one did not come near the other all that night. Okay, so Pharaoh's army has come down here. Israel is camped here. And this... Glory of God, the presence of God, He has now moved it from before them in their camp and put it in between Pharaoh's army. And, and so, right down there, you see where it says pillar of fire on the bottom? I mean, it would have been someplace in this area because there's only one place to get around that. And so, God sets up camp and He keeps them from doing that. God is at work. Verse 21, then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea into dry land and the waters were divided. So the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on the dry ground and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Now, um, (laughs) that's quite the miracle, isn't it? Now. You can see up here where it's showing where the crossing most likely was. Uh, See where it says 205 meters deep? Can you see that? Up there on the right? This is most likely where they crossed. Now, it just so happens. By the way, down here in the the Red Sea, the depths are often over 2,000 feet deep. Moving on up here into the Gulf of Aqaba, a lot of that, the the depth 2,000 feet deep. The water is very steep, okay? In this place, The deepest, it's like this underwater land bridge. And the deepest that it is is about 600 feet. And I say, well, what's the significance of that? Well, you have all of these people who have to follow this path down onto this underwater land bridge. And if it's extremely steep, it's a problem, isn't it? But here's about how steep it was. And this is just close. If you went from Worcester Airport and, and walked down the hill down into Worcester, and then back out, assuming the other side was about the same, and back up. Now, you think you could do that? And the distance it was about from Worcester Airport to Shrewsbury, nine or ten miles across. But so God just happens to lead them to the place where there is this once He parts the water, it's not hard for them to go and do it. And so He takes them through. Verse. 23, and the Egyptians pursued and went after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots and his horsemen. Now it came to pass in the morning, watch, that the Lord looked down upon the army of Egyptians through the pillar of fire and clouds. So, so God, as, as Israel uh, moves through uh, the water, the pillar of fire is following them, keeping them separate still from the Egyptians. By the way, the Egyptians were nuts to drive down in there, wouldn't you think? But they did. That's how consumed they were with this. So he, he looked down upon the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud, and he troubled the army of the Egyptians, and he took off their chariot wheels so that they drove them with difficulty. And the Egyptians said... Let us flee from the face of Israel for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. It's becoming very clear to them what's going on. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea that the waters may come back upon the Egyptians on their chariots and on their horsemen. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And when the morning appeared, the sea returned to its full depth while the Egyptians were fleeing into it. So the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. Then the waters returned and covered the chariots, the horsemen, and all the army of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. Not so much as one of them remained. But the children of Israel had walked on dry land in the midst of the sea. And the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. So the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Thus Israel, saw the great work which the Lord had done in Egypt. So the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. How much faith did they start off with? Not much, just leave. Leave slavery, (laughs) leave this tough life in, let's leave. And so they left. That was a step of faith, small, but a step of faith, and God goes to work in their lives. What if they had just said, no, we got problems here, but at least we know what they are, and they stayed in Egypt? None of this would have happened, would it? So they did take a step of faith. They said, okay, let's go, and they went. And the end result here, not huge faith they didn't have before, but it says they feared the Lord. In other words, they got in it, wow. He really is the Lord that we've heard about. He is big. He is powerful. He can do whatever. They feared him in that sense. They revered him and worshiped him. And it says, and then they believed him. Now, I want to say to you today a couple of things. But one is that if you will just take that one little step of faith and start doing it. God will work in your life in a way that increases your faith because you will see him do big things. So a little bit of faith. Start with just a little bit of faith and you will see God do big things. So you're sitting here today saying, oh man, I have to you know, take huge steps of faith. No, take small steps of faith. If God enables you to take a huge step of faith, great, do it. The second thing you need to understand is this, that you, in order for this to be your experience in life, you have to make a choice to follow the Lord consciously and on purpose. We can't be just bumping along, trying to live a comfortable life. We need to take that step of faith. And, and for... This means we need to look at our lives. It means we need to sit down with the Lord on some sort of regular basis and look at our lives with Him and talk to Him and say, God, what, what do you want me to do? What, do you want me to change something? Do you want me to start something? Do you want me to stop something? What, what do you want me to do? And I guarantee if you're spending time within His Word and thinking about this and talking about it, He'll show you some things. And you say, okay, I, I need to do something about this. And you're consciously, purposefully seeking to follow him. And it may be that he says, yeah, you've got a habit you need to break. It's time to do it, let's work on it. Let's break this habit. He may say you have a relationship you need to end, a relationship you need to say no in the relationship. He, he may say that, that you need to get serious about uh, your church relationship and you need to be there regularly worshiping and getting involved in the church. He may say, uh, that you need to find a different job. He, he might say that uh, you need to start giving. You need to start giving the way he's told us to in his word, you know, and just take this step. Whatever. He's going to show you something. And then you take that step and begin to do it. What's going to happen? The enemy is going to be unhappy. The enemy is Satan, Right. He is going to be unhappy and he's likely to start pursuing you and try to get you in a bind where you'll decide to give up and turn back. Don't. You and you want to turn back. Remember the words we saw today. God told Moses, tell the people what? What did he tell them? Go forward. You're following me. Go forward. Yeah, but you don't understand God. There's things that we, Go forward. You leave those other things to me. You go forward doing what I've shown you to do. Do it. And I will work. And when we do. When we begin to live this way. The small steps of faith. But just pursuing the Lord. Seeing him work in our lives. What you end up with is a meaningful. And exciting life. That glorifies God. And it provides you with a much bigger view of God. A much bigger view of God. Which will change how you follow him. Let's look in chapter 15. And we. Uh, would. We'll, Finish with this. Chapter 15. This is a, a song of celebration that they wrote about what God had done. Chapter 15, verse 1. Then Moses and the children of Israel sang this song to the Lord and spoke, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. Do you think these words were on their lips before they left Egypt? These words were not on their lips before they left. These words are on their lips after they've chosen to follow the Lord and to go forward with it. This is how they now see things. Verse six, your right hand, O Lord, has become glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, has dashed the enemy in pieces. Verse 11, who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? Verse 18, the Lord shall reign forever and ever. God will change how you see him forever. And that'll change how you live your life going forward. What do you say? Shall we go? Let's go. Let's go forward. And let's go Lord in prayer now. Father, thank you for your word that you include this for us. I pray, Father, that we would here today and going out from here today, that we would begin to consciously, purposefully consider our lives with you seeking your leading, asking you to show us what to do, what the step is. And and Lord, that we would take those steps that you show us. And that when, when the storm comes into our lives, as we begin to follow you, I pray, Father, that we will not choose to turn back, but that we will go forward as you challenge the Israelites here in this story. And Lord, we're gonna trust that you will do whatever needs to be done for us to succeed at what you've given us to do. I pray this in Jesus' name.